Rick Warren boasts of training more pastors than all the SBC seminaries combined as he gives an impassioned speech defending himself at the recent Southern Baptist Convention. And we take a look back at some of his ecumenical idolatry and the pragmatic deception that is the purpose-driven movement. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we are going to be looking back at the SBC convention and specifically what's been going on with some of the voting over there with their new president and really the presidents over the years that are marking a lot of the decisions that are being made. And the truth is, is you may think, well, I'm not part of the Baptist Southern Baptist Convention, so this isn't a big deal to me. But there are a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ who absolutely love the Lord. And those are the churches that they do go to. And typically there are a lot of churches in the SBC that really do love the Lord with some great pastors who love Jesus and proclaim the gospel. And there are real secondary issues that we can differ from one another and yet call someone a brother or sister in Christ. But with that said, when it comes to Saddleback Church out there in Orange County, not too far from us, we would say here at Good Fight Ministries and Blessed Hope Chapel that after doing enough research uh, when it comes to Rick Warren, that we do not consider Saddleback Church as a true biblical church, nor the purpose-driven churches that have come out of the movement. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of models that have gone after the purpose-driven model and still have true converts who love Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm sure there are people there at Saddleback who love Jesus, but please pray that they come out of their midst and be separate because we do see that Rick Warren has been building a foundation there that is not of biblical proportions. So what we want to do is take a look at the recent controversy and then move forward in seeing a lot of this has been, I guess you would say, bubbling and now coming to the surface for some people and hopefully for you that are discerning has been seen quite clearly for a number of years. In fact, we have had the opportunity to talk with some, found me on Instagram and so forth, brothers in Christ who have come out of Saddleback Church who absolutely love Jesus and talk about the dangers of the pragmatic gospel that is being preached there rather than the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But to get into the controversy, Saddleback Church was actually taken to question whether or not, hey, should they be in the Southern Baptist Convention? This is a confessional movement with confessions of faith that state exactly what they believe. And if you are a part of that, that still allows for differences of opinion when it comes to soteriology or the doctrine of salvation or even eschatology and so forth. But there are certain doctrines that everyone says, hey, I want to be a part of the convention. And I can tell you this, there is a church right here in Simi that we consider ourselves very close with the pastor and a lot of the leaders there, as well as many of the church members. And guess what? We believe they are brothers and sisters in Christ. They love Jesus. And if somebody went to that church, we would say they were going to a biblically-based church. But nonetheless, this is also why we have the concern here. And so when they were brought forth because of accreditation, whether or not the committee deciding that, hey, you can be part of the Southern Baptist and still do the things you're doing— 
We're going to look at why they were brought forth and what that decision, seemingly or indecision, that has been made. Because the big controversy happened a year ago when Saddleback Church, right before Rick Warren decided to step down, almost like he started a fire and walked away from it. This is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. But nonetheless, he decided that they were going to, as a church, ordain two female pastors. Now, that's a problem because not only 1 Timothy 2 and Titus 1, 5 through 9 and so forth, but because of that and because of that ordination of them, a lot of people were asking questions. Then when he stepped down and then they added a man and woman pastor to come and take over the church, people are saying, should they be a part of the SBC? So when the committee that decides the accreditation of whether or not a church is a part of the SBC met together, they kicked the can down the road by simply saying, well, maybe we don't know what the word pastor means because she's not a lead pastor. And I'm sure that's with a dot, dot, dot yet, by the way. But nonetheless, they're then saying we have no idea what lead pastor even means, I guess. So now the committee, instead of actually making a formal decision as to whether or not they are a part of the SBC, instead they kicked that can down the road and said, we'll form another committee and that committee will decide what the word pastor means. And here is how Dr. Al Mohler of the SBC, the former president, actually answered such a request to have a committee to decide what the word pastor means. My concern is as a churchman, a theologian, and uh, someone who loves this convention, as I know everyone in this room does, if we eventually have to form a study committee over every word in our confession of faith, then we're doomed and we're no longer a confessional people. I am a confessionalist. This is a confessional denomination. We say what we believe in specific words that are the Baptist faith and message. And now you see, I think he actually makes a pretty interesting point. I'm not saying we agree with Al Mohler on everything, and I do believe that some of the CRT stuff that has snuck into the SBC has to do with some of his inaction as well. But nonetheless, he makes a really good point that if we start debating every single definition of every word, specifically pastor or elder uh, in the scriptures, then in their confessions, then they're not really a confessional movement anymore. They're just going to be debating every single word, and they're really not going to be getting anywhere. So guess who showed up, surprisingly to many, and got a hold of a mic to be able to give an impassioned defense for his ministry, even though he said, I'm not going to give him a defense. But here is his defense. You have to hear this. I preached over 120 uh, harvest crusades before I was 20. We baptized 56,631 new believers. And as the Southern Baptist Church sent 26,869 members overseas to 197 nations. 78,157 members of our church signed our membership covenant after taking a four-hour membership class. I've had the privilege for 43 years of training 1.1 million pastors. So what we see here is Rick Warren using pragmatism, using the number game, numbers game, to prove that, hey, I really need to be in this SBC. He went up there and said, this is probably my last one because he was assuming he was going to kick out or whatever he was deciding. 
But when we look at that and see that that's the argument for why they should be ordaining women pastors, because ultimately that's what he's defending there. And when we see that, and when we see over and over again, first of all, that he's bragging about training more pastors in the purpose-driven style churches, guys, the purpose-driven model is not biblical. The purpose-driven model has no repentance. He quotes from the Message Bible a number of times in that book. There is no repenting of sins whatsoever. This purpose-driven life, that book that he wrote, the purpose-driven model for the churches, it is New Age mumbo-gumbo, and it comes directly from his mentor, Robert Schuller of the Crystal Cathedral, who also pushed pragmatism, who also pushed New Age thought into his own teachings over and over again. And we see, of course, he's going to push the numbers game and all of the great work that he's done. But if that's not bad enough, one of the things that he has done is minimized really what Satan has tried to do, but minimize the differences when it comes to doctrine. Because what Rick Warren does in that same speech was later say that we're going to just have these secondary issues and this is going to break us apart. But the problem is Rick Warren and secondary issues is a line drawn in the sand far different from biblical Christianity. Because when Rick Warren draws these lines in the sand of secondary and primary issues, the secondary issues don't simply just stop right there in, hey, we have a difference of function in ministry and so forth, but secondary if issues that even, by his own admission, are secondary, are issues of Catholicism, as you can hear him say right before speaking at the Vatican. When you talk about Pentecostals, Charismatics, Evangelicals, uh, Fundamentalist, Catholics, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, on, on, and on, and on. Well, they would all say, we believe in the Trinity, we believe in the Bible, we believe in the resurrection, we believe salvation is through Jesus Christ. These are the big issues. Sometimes Protestants think that Catholics worship Mary like she's another God, but that's not exactly Catholic doctrine. There's the understanding, and, and people say, well, what are the saints all about? Are, you know, you're, why are you praying to the saints? And when you understand what they mean by what they're saying, there's a whole lot more commonality. Now, there's still real differences, no, no doubt about that. But the most important thing is, if you love Jesus, we're on the same team. Now, notice that all of these things that he's saying here about Catholicism, minimizing the, the veneration of Mary, minimizing the venerations of saints, all of these different things. Of course he's doing that because he gets to speak at the Vatican. Of course he's doing that because he gets to have Bishop Barron come speak at his church before his congregation. Minimizing these stark differences has been so popular for Rick Warren to do. And this is something really serious. And I believe it comes great with a quote from one of his mentors. The other mentor is C. Peter Wagner, or who literally founded the NAR movement, the New Apostolic Reformation, who actually watched over his dissertation. That's Rick Warren's. But this is something that Robert Schuller has said about Satan. He said, quote, When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you never have to worry about the devil. But here's the problem. Rick Warren, Robert Schuller, C. Peter Wagner, and Bill Engels, and a ton of these false teachers who pushed this seeker-sensitive movement, 
A number of them have no idea how Satan is ravaging through them and through their false movements and false churches and false way of building them. And I really want you to see the seriousness of it, because maybe you're saying, hey, I can't take your word for it. That's fine. But I want you to see some of the connective tissue with Rick Warren and mysticism and even practitioners of the occult. One of the sad tragedies is that you have men like Rick Warren, who's influencing literally hundreds of thousands of churches and pastors with over 30,000 churches doing the purpose-driven church and millions reading the purpose-driven life, endorsing mysticism and contemplative prayer, endorsing mystics and Buddhists like, you know, Leonard Sweet, uh, even uh, giving a, a, a strong endorsement for his book, Soul Tsunami, and talking about bringing the greatest joy of evangelism, where and what kind of evangelism we're talking about with, with Leonard Sweet, you know? Uh, he's an occultist, and uh, he talks about this postmodern reformation in that book, and he talks about how we're birthing this new world, back to this whole idea that we are going to bring forth this, this new world. Rick Warren actually teamed up with occult New Age sympathizer Leonard Sweet to co-produce the series Tides of Change, which not only speaks of waves of change, but, quote, a new spirituality, end quote. Sweet not only points favorably to the works of confessed Luciferian David Spangler, but he lets us know that the new spirituality will be occult or mystically based. In his book Quantum Spirituality, Sweet states that, quote, mysticism, once cast to the sidelines of the Christian tradition, is now situated in postmodernist culture near the center. Sweet then goes on to quote a Roman Catholic Jesuit priest to underscore his point. Sweet quotes Jesuit Karl Ranner's statement, quote, the Christian of tomorrow will be a mystic, one who has experienced something or he will be nothing, end quote. Those who fail to embrace the mysticism of the coming new age are resistors and will not even be considered worthy of the counterfeit kingdom. Emergents have returned to the heresies of the Roman Catholic Church, heresies that countless thousands of Protestants and Anabaptists were martyred for rejecting due to their desire to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Scripture. It appears as though the emerging ecumenism with Roman Catholicism, emergence, Islam, and the New Age movement is quickly shaping up into the fertile ground of the one world religion to come as prophesied by Jesus under the coming Antichrist. So one of the troubling things about Rick Warren endorsing a man like Leonard Sweet is that Leonard Sweet turns people on to David Spangler. Not only is he pushing New Age workings, but David Spangler has promoted this whole Luciferian initiation. Uh, in his book, that is Leonard Sweet's book's Quantum Spirituality, he credits David Spangler for giving him a better understanding of how these new light leaders will, you know, help people recognize their inner inner divinity. And Spangler himself calls this recognition of this inner divinity as a Luciferian initiation. In fact, and I'll quote a few, give you a few quotes from Spangler to see how bad this actually gets. Spangler says this: Any old Christ will not do. Not if we need to show that we have something better than the mainstream Christian traditions. It must be a cosmic Christ, a universal Christ, a new age Christ. Spangler claims that Lucifer, the angel of man's evolution, is leading man to cosmic consciousness and Godhead. Of course, this is uh, exactly what happened in Eden uh, with the serpent. But Spangler also says this, he further explains, quote, The true light of Lucifer cannot be seen through sorrow, through darkness, through reflection. The true light of this great being can only be recognized when one's eyes can see with the light of the Christ, the light of the inner sun, Lucifer, works within each of us to bring us to wholeness as we move to the new age. Now that clip is from our video, The Submerging Church, which many of you have probably seen on Amazon Prime. 
as well as maybe ordered here. And guys, what's pointed out in that over and over again, whether it's connection to Bob Buford and Peter Drucker and the Three Stool and all of the New Age nonsense and the Daniel plan and some of the meditation that he brings into his church and has people telling people this is what you need to do to help lose weight and all of that, all right, these aren't secondary issues. They're very serious issues. And one thing that we have shown, and it is shown not only in this emerging church, but in this clip we're going to be playing right here, is that Rick Warren is just honestly a dishonest person a lot of times. In fact, look at this video right here where he is clearly speaking with a forked tongue when it comes to the issue of homosexuality. Just before California voted to pass Proposition 8, which would define marriage as distinctly between one man and one woman, Rick Warren issued a video statement endorsing Proposition 8. Yet in April of 2009, Rick Warren told Larry King in an interview that was viewed by millions that he never once gave an endorsement in the two years Prop 8 was going. Yet as noted, just two weeks before the majority of Californians voted for the passage of Prop 8, Warren issued an unambiguous endorsement of the proposition, arguing that gay marriage is unbiblical and imploring evangelicals to vote for its passage. Warren's video endorsement of Prop 8 was distributed via email to 30,000 people and was posted on Warren's blog via his church website. The election's coming up just in a couple weeks, and uh, I hope you're praying about your vote. Uh, one of the propositions, of course, that I want to mention is Proposition 8, which is the proposition that had to be uh, uh, instituted because the courts threw out the will of the people. And a, a court of uh, four guys uh, actually voted to change a definition of, Christ of, uh, of marriage that has been going for 5,000 years. Now, let me just say this really clearly. Uh, we support Proposition 8. And if you believe what the Bible says about marriage, you need to support Proposition 8. I never support a candidate, but on moral issues, I come out very clear. However, after clearly endorsing Prop 8, Warren recently lied to Larry King and the millions of his mostly secular audience, claiming that all he had done was send a written note in a newsletter. I, I never campaigned for it. I never, I'm not an anti-gay activist, never have been, never participated in a single event. Uh, I just simply made a note in a newsletter, and of course, everything I write uh, hits the, hits the oh. Despite Warren's historical revisionism and seeking to minimize his position, Warren made it clear in his issued statement before California's vote on Prop 8 that he was rallying the troops to vote for its passage. This is one thing, friends, that all politicians tend to agree on. Both Barack Obama and John McCain, I flat out asked both of them, what is your definition of marriage? And they both said the same thing. It is the traditional, historic, universal definition of marriage one man and one woman for life. And every culture for 5,000 years and every religion for 5,000 years has, has uh, said the definition of marriage is uh, between one man and a woman. Now, here's an interesting thing. Just there, there are about 2% uh, of Americans are homosexual or gay, lesbian people. We should not let 2% of the population uh, determine uh, uh, to change a definition of marriage that has been supported by every single culture and every single religion for 5,000 years. This is not even just a Christian issue. It's a human, humanitarian and human issue that uh, 
God created marriage for uh, the purpose of uh, family, love, and procreation. Incredibly, while on Larry King though, he told the CNN audience that he never once issued a statement or gave an endorsement of Prop 8. I am not an anti-gay or anti-gay marriage activist. Never have been, never will be. During the whole Proposition 8 thing, I never once went to a meeting, never once issued a statement, uh, never, never once uh, even uh, gave an endorsement in the two years Prop 8 was going. And if you were concerned that Rick Warren only and simply was being dishonest because he was on CNN and he was trying to further the gospel or something like that, I want you to take a look here when it comes to, I guess we used to call it the emergent church, and now this is just the progressive Christian church, which is really no church at all. And nonetheless, when we look at this, hear him not only be dishonest when challenged regarding this progressive emergent church, but also watch the kind of endorsements that he gives. Richard Abanis, who uh, is one of the leaders there at Saddleback and really had become like Rick Warren's personal apologist. He sat down with Rick Warren and had him answer a bunch of questions to his critics and published a book uh, where Rick Warren answers his critics and he's asked about his promotion. Does he, you know, promote or, uh, you know, the emerging church? And, and Rick Warren gives an answer and, where he basically denies it. He says, Christians basically look silly, you know, jumping on the bandwagon, the postmodern bandwagon, when everybody else in the world's jumping off, we look silly because just when the world's abandoning postmodernism, here we are jumping on. And that's what he says in response to whether or not he's for the emerging church. But the crazy thing is, when you go to uh, pastors.com, his, his website, there's an endorsement of emergent books, there's an endorsement of emergent practices. Rick Warren has even gotten so far as to endorse Spencer Burke's The Ooze website, Warren states that the Ooze website is, quote, one of the best online communities related to postmodern ministry. This is really sad because Rick Warren has pointed thousands of pastors to Spencer Burke's Ooze website. Spencer Burke is the one who says that the church needs to listen to more heretics. We need to listen to a few heretics. Spencer Burke is the one who has taken his congregation into a Buddhist temple to practice occult guided imagery. In fact, Dan Kimball's book called The Emergent Church which is about so-called vintage Christianity for new generations. What's sad about Rick Warren in the Emerging Church is he actually endorsed Dan Kimball's book on the Emerging Church. Uh, in fact, he wrote the sidebars alternating with Brian McLaren for that book. In fact, I'll quote to you what he says about that book, which I think it makes it quite clear where he stands with much of the Emerging Church. Warren states, quote, this book is a wonderful, detailed example of what a purpose-driven church can look like in a postmodern world. My friend Dan Kimball writes passionately with a deep desire to reach the emerging generation and culture. While my book, The Purpose-Driven Church, explained uh, what the church is called to do, Dan's book explains how to do it with the cultural creatives who think and feel in postmodern terms. You need to pay attention to him because times are changing. Now, if honesty is no big deal to you, I think we should honestly be concerned with not only where you stand with somebody who right there, you can see he's just flat out being dishonest. Other times just flat out lying, depending upon the audience. But guys, a lot of this has biblical ramifications specific to the end times as well, because when we consider the connection between the New Age, the connection between Catholicism, and also his connection when it comes to Islam. Guys, 
This is really important because Rick Warren, as was documented in this emerging church, signed a document titled A Common Word. And this document that he signed alongside a bunch of other false teachers that call themselves Christians and a number of Muslim clerics, this document made them agree, one, to repent to Allah, that's what they basically call the God of this document, and that's who he is, but also to Muslims for whatever treatment other people have given them. And hopefully with Muslims, you're sharing the gospel with them and not just yelling at them or being mean to them. I know that my wife and I, we just recently uh, spent time during Ramadan eating with uh, people that we absolutely love and want to see come to know Jesus and share the gospel with them. Um, But nonetheless, the lack of focus on the gospel, and not only the lack of focus, but actually the shaking of hands in this document and signing it, which affirmed a couple of things. Here Here are a few things. It called Muhammad a prophet. The only prophet that Muhammad is, is a false prophet and warned about in 1 John chapter 2 specifically. It says that the God of the Bible and Allah are the same. That's positively inaccurate, not true, couldn't be further from, from the truth. And he it actually asked for the all-merciful one, which is a name given in the Quran over and over again. And it's interesting that the Muslims were the ones who wrote the document, the clerics, sending it over to Christians who then signed it When we look at Surah 364, which states, O people of the book, come to a common word between us and you that we worship none but Allah and that we associate no partners with him and that none of us shall take others as lords besides Allah. So the very document that they were writing was a document that they got strictly from Surah 364 saying, get the people of the book, get the Christians to sign this, saying, we worship Allah and we don't add anything to him. And the add anything there, not that we would add anything to the triune God, the the adding anything there is associating Jesus as God, which the Bible clearly does. So it is no wonder when we see all of this, when you see the connective tissue between New Agers, Rick Warren, Catholics, and Muslims, that Rick Warren would say something like this when it comes to biblical prophecy. Bible prophecy, page 285, 286 of of my edition of Purpose Driven Life, he states that uh, Bible prophecy is a diversion from the devil. Now you don't wanna, you study Bible prophecy, even though a third of the Bible is prophecy. Uh, You can't be a student of the Bible without being a student of prophecy. He states that it's a diversion from the devil, you don't wanna be distracted from our mission, He states that if you are diverted like that, uh, you're like the man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back and isn't worthy of the kingdom of God. So he puts out two of the biggest boogeymen not to study the prophecies that the Lord's given us, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Without a vision, the scriptures teach that that God's people go astray. And yet Rick Warren teaches that it's a diversion from the devil, from you know the real mission we're supposed to be on. And he threatens the forfeiture of salvation, that you're like the man who set your hand in the plow and looked back. And it's tragic because what he's doing there is he's turning people's eyes from what God says about the future. Because God actually warns about what's going on with a lot of the emergence and the purpose-driven movement and where it's headed. 
And it, the Bible blows the whistle on this whole thing about how there'll be same peace and safety, how the world will come together, how there'll be such compromise, and how true, genuine Christians will be persecuted because of the name of Jesus. And I don't know that that's his motive. I don't know if it's spiritual influences on him. I don't know what it is. I just know it's happening and it's working out perfectly uh, for the enemy, that is. Now you see quite clearly that when somebody cares not about what the Bible says concerning the end times and pushes it off as a side piece, as it's no big deal, it's just some secondary issue, that there are going to be real problems and ramifications. And in fact, if you look at many of the purpose-driven churches and go into their beliefs, it is hard to figure out exactly what they believe regarding end times because they are not willing to put it because they do believe, just as Rick Warren teaches, that it is a distraction. So it is so important, guys, for us to understand the seriousness of this, that we would look at it, say, I don't want that in my life. I want a true gospel. And I pray that Rick and Kay, and anyone following this movement and using this as a model for their church would repent, would turn away from it, and go back to what the Word of God says concerning biblical churches, concerning biblical pastors, and concerning a biblical gospel that involves people actually coming to Jesus Christ and not simply leaving people lying in Catholicism, something that if somebody is saved in Catholicism, they're saved in spite of it and not because of it. And to sign documents and to do these things and to team up with New Agers and all of this, guys, this is no accident. This is heartbreaking. It is sad. And I encourage you guys to check out this emerging church. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.